The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi. I'm Lewis Carr, host of the Blueprint Connect podcast. The Blueprint Connect podcast is an extension of the Blueprint Men's Summit, where we have consistently given men a prescription for growth, not just for themselves, but also for their families and their communities. During these podcasts, we will educate and motivate our listeners about entrepreneurship, careers, finances, health and wellness, and relationships. And today, our special guest is Dr. Rick Risby, best-selling New York Times author, Wall Street Journal author, Amazon best-selling author, professor, and just all-around great guy, my friend, Dr. Rick Risby. Welcome. I, I, Brother Carr, this is one of the highlights of my year to be on your podcast. You know, I love you. I honor you. I appreciate you. I really appreciate what you're doing uh, for our men and how you're making an impact and modeling that impact. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Risby, you know, the last 20, 21 months have been historic for many ways, uh, whether it is COVID and how it has you know, affected everyone across the planet, uh, especially communities of color, or whether it is racial injustice that sort of raised its ugly head uh, that Memorial Day weekend of 2020 
that kicked off with George Floyd, but there's so many others. Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey. We could go on and on and on. How have you been navigating this space and this very special time, especially a guy who has a consistent message of hope? I'm so glad you asked me that question. And I want to back up to uh, 2019 to, to answer your question. I had written a book titled Afraid to Hope and how hope had helped me during a very difficult season in my life. And fortunately, the book uh, was received well, but I got criticized. And the criticism was coming from the titans of business. And it was along these lines. Uh, Rick, we like your book, but we just want to remind you that hope is not a strategy. And it stung. It really hurt. Do you know it took racial strife, not just in the United States, but all throughout the world during 2020, uh, sparked by George Floyd. It, it took political division and it took a global pandemic to convince me that they were right. Uh, hope is not a strategy. Hope is more powerful than a strategy. A strategy is simply a plan. Hope is a belief that has been passed by our people from generation to generation, that somehow, regardless on the, of the odds, we're gonna persevere. And here's how I discovered it. The same critics, Lewis, the very same folks who a year earlier told me that hope was not a strategy, were calling our office, asking me to give their folks a word of hope. Come on now, come on. They were asking me to give them a word of encouragement. I, I signed a contract with a major publishing house. The book is in process now titled The Power of Hope. And I can really point to the very week that those calls started coming in. It was the week of George Floyd's murder. Our, 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 our phones just rang off the hook. Folks saying, we need to give our, 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 our employees perspective. We need to somehow get help navigating through this minefield of a pandemic, of racial division, and, and of just turmoil in Washington, D.C. And so uh, I began to talk very, very clearly about the power of hope. You know, uh, I, I started doing a lot of podcasts, probably two virtual speeches a day for several months, talking about how hope had been relegated to the basement of human emotion, largely because uh, of our casual use of the word. But when you think about it, uh, from, from an historical society perspective, I should say, as well as from a, a personal application, hope is dynamic, transformative. Hope is powerful. I define hope as a quality within each and every one of us that places a demand, a transformative demand upon our heart to believe for the absolute best outcome. Lewis, I, I would have a hard time being your friend if you didn't have any hope. I don't want to be on an airplane if the pilots have no hope. Listen to how fundamental that is. And so I approach these companies as well as folks from, from church all the way to the local grocery store by reminding them that hope could lead toward regaining perspective. Dr. Risby, I, 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 I wasn't aware that the business world had criticized the book 
because it is so fundamental to me. When, when you think about uh, our educational system in this country, uh, you being a former professor, it's based on hope. Yes. You know, when someone goes in to learn something, you know, it is because they have a dream, a hope to do something. All right. Yeah, sure. So it's so fundamental to me. I am just totally shocked. Yes. But when we think about COVID-19, OK, let's just let's let's, let's just jump off of racial inequality for a moment. <laughs> COVID-19. All right. It should have brought hope. Yes. Out of power. You're you're absolutely right. You know, Lewis, I I was baffled as well, uh, because all we have known is hope our entire life. There's a passage in 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 the Bible that we're all familiar with that says, "Faith is the substance of things hoped for." The presupposition is Hopeful. you can't even you can't even have faith unless you have hope. Yeah. And so it you're right it is pragmatic it is so fundamental I mean I I have studied the history of African Americans since graduate school I lived that history for the last 65 years try to imagine where our people would be today without the transformative power of hope and and you know I don't I don't wish those folks who criticized any ill being they they they're sincere folks but they they missed the point and 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 I, and I realized they missed the point when they started calling saying we need words of hope they they were saying we've lost center give us our balance and that's all we've known all our lives is to put ourselves in a position to be better by believing that the next day things are going to work out that night things are going to work out. But hope is so fundamental to the African-American community. And uh, so I, I, like you, was completely baffled. <laughs> we'll be right back with more of my interview after this quick break. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to on Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where... 
A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. So, Dr. Risby, what were people who wanted you to speak on? What were like three things that they wanted you to touch on that when you say hope, you click down on? Yes, sir. Number, the, the biggest one, they, their folks had lost perspective. I'm talking about from the C-suites all the way to the people that work in the mailroom. They'd lost perspective. Here, you, because of, a, because of a, 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 a cell phone, you see a man murdered on the streets of Minneapolis, right? And so uh, the folks could, couldn't navigate how to make a way. Churches were calling saying, help us, we have multi-ethnic congregations. Uh, we need to make sense of this. So the very first thing I reminded them of is this, hope helps us to regain perspective. You know, perspective is an interesting thing. It's lost in a time of tragedy. It's also lost, by the way, in a time of joy and jubilation. I remember as being a character coach at Texas A&M for the football team, and we would have that high, re highly recruited running back go all the way down the field, score his very first touchdown, he'd dance in the end zone, which was lovely. But it was our job to remind him to uh, keep the perspective that the next time you get in the end zone, act like you've been there before. The point is this, in times of great celebration, we lose hope. And in times of, of great tragedy, we lose hope. My job, number one check, was to help people regain hope. And this is what I said, perspective is powerful. Just because we haven't seen this in our lifetime doesn't mean it hasn't happened before. And I would point to the Spanish flu of 1919, right, as, as a perfect example of that. I would point to some of the slave narratives about how the times were so difficult and so tough, but they kept perspective by focusing on the here and the now. So perspective would be one thing. Clear communication would be a second thing that stems from hope. Do you know the more, and you're in the communications business, the more clearly and saliently we communicate a congruent message with consistency, the greater the potential for people to feel more secure. Uh, I, I want my doctor 
communicating very clearly to me. And, and I can handle the bad news as well as the good news. I cannot handle incongruency. And so the way that you help perspective along and, and really work to, to intensify hope is to communicate very clearly. And I think the third tab to answer your question that I, I would press is this. I needed to help these companies and organizations understand the power of hope. I, I, I relied on everyone from Helen Keller to Winston Churchill to Martin King. Helen Keller said on, on one occasion, let me see if I can get this quote right. right. Helen Keller said that uh, hope sees the invisible. Uh, uh, hope, hope feels the intangible. Hope achieves the impossible. Of course, we know about Winston Churchill, about never give up. I, I relied heavily on Martin King. Martin King epitomizes this notion of clearly communicating, uh, keeping the perspective, and making sure that people saw hope. And he did it in his words. Listen to this. I, I told leaders in countries all over the world, model your rhetoric after Martin King. Can I, can I explain, Lewis, for just a second what I'm talking about? Sure. He epitomized all these three tabs from, from the moment that Miss Parks was arrested in December the 1st, 1955, until the day Martin Luther King Jr. was shot. Shortly after six o'clock, as he stood on the balcony of the Lorraine Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee, for April 1968, every day he's dealing with the vestiges of colonialism in his face, death threats. You talk about an exigence. You, you talk about a cultural pandemic that, that, that continues to this day. He's dealing with it. But as you know, in almost every single speech, he doesn't just lay out the devastation. He points us toward a better day. And oftentimes he would speak and write about the beloved community. And the point that I would make to these titans of business is this. Any leader can share with you the difficulty of the hour, but a truly great leader who's transformational and makes an impact will always point you to a better day. So those would be the three tabs, I think, under hope. Number one, helping them to understand that hope will help clarify a perspective. Number two, to really intensify hope, you need to communicate clearly. And number three, you need to see the pragmatic side of hope and how fundamental it truly is. Wow. Thank you for that. So as, as, as we've come through 2020, we're, we, we, we thought 2021, at least we were hopeful that <laughs> 2021 would be better. And, and from my perspective, it has been better than 2020 because at least we're out uh, we're engaging. We're back in business. We're back socializing, still with safety precautions in place. Uh, we're still on our journey to find, you know, fairness uh, and equality uh, in this country and around the world. So we're still on that journey. As we look towards 2022, what would be your message to the average consumer who's still trying to find their way today as they look at 2022. I saw someone uh, on social media yesterday, uh, Dr. Risby said, I don't see any, I'm going to have a great 22 messages being posted on social media. And we're basically two weeks away from the new year. <laughs> so what would you say to people? 
I would say to, to each and every one of us to, to be the kind of individual that our grandparents would be proud of. Come on, somebody. I get excited. I've been thinking about this, Lewis. I've been thinking about this for the last six months. You know, you and I were talking before we started the podcast about the how, how there's always a silver lining. I think one of the silver linings uh, of, of this tumultuous 2020 and 2021 is it it's forced us to act like our grandparents. Think about how resourceful our grandparents were. I, I got to tell you a funny story, man. About a year ago, right in the middle of the pandemic, our ice maker on our refrigerator goes out. And my wife tells me, and I said, just call the repair person. I don't know how to fix that. And she reminded me that we're sheltering in place. So what did we do? We went to YouTube. Do you know it took three minutes to repair that thing, it saved us probably $150. And I looked at my wife and I said, you know, our, our folks didn't have YouTube, but they fixed it. I had never heard of a repair person until I went to college. And and, and, and the point, I'm not lying, man. If, the, if something happened to the car, you knew a shade tree mechanic. You know what I'm talking about. If something happened to the pipe, there was somebody in the neighborhood that knew some plumbing. That's the way that we grew up. We've lost that in our modern era of, of tremendous technology. We've lost this, this need, this basic survival need uh, of being uh, resourceful. So I would tell that person the same thing I tell myself, the, the same thing I tell my grown sons and my grandchildren and my daughter-in-laws. Let's be the kind of person that our grandparents would be proud of. Can I break that down for a second, Lewis? You, you, you may have to stop me because yes. I get a little excited. I want you to think about this. Gr grandparents taught us three things. See, grandparents weren't concerned with a lot of things that didn't amount to a hill of beans. In, in, in my world, I, I, I literally get distracted so easily by things that don't really matter. I think it was that business consultant, Robin Sharma, who said on one occasion, the average person is distracted a minimum of two hours every single day, interrupted every 11 minutes, and then it takes about a half hour to return back to a deep level of thinking. Before I go on with my story, let me give you a personal testimony. That's me. I, just last week, I'm working on an article, and, and after working about 25, 30 minutes, all of a sudden, I, I have this insatiable desire to check my email. And the next thing you know, I'm looking at overstock.com. Then the next thing you know, I'm looking at Lynch Creek Farms, trying to figure out who I'm going to buy Christmas wreaths for. And then it's time for my nap. Then, then I got to eat lunch. Here's the point. Grandparents stayed focused. Didn't matter if they were making a pound cake or building a house. They stayed focused because they didn't have or they chose not, I should say, to be distracted by things. So how does that play out in terms of simple lessons that we can learn that will make us better people, better workers, more effective, more efficient? I think three things. Number one, our grandparents, they executed basics. They executed basic behaviors. Uh, I think about my grandparents in Oklahoma and Texas. They, here were their basics. I'm gonna put a roof over the heads of your parents. I'm gonna make sure there's food on the table. Uh, when I think of basics, I think of my father. I think of my mother just teaching me a fundamental lesson. Son, if you execute the basics better than anybody else, you'll grow your capacity for that which you want. Lewis, I've lost over 100 pounds. I got about 80 to go. 
And, and what keeps me going every single day are basics. I'm going to, I'm going to eat less. I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to move. I'm going to put myself in a positive state of mind. I'm going to take the apples out of the crisper where they get rotten and I have to throw them away. And I'm going to put them on, on, on the Island where I can see them. Basics, basics, just simple basics. My, my daddy told me something years ago. He said, when you go to a new restaurant, order a bowl of soup. I said, why, Daddy? He said, if the soup's not good, don't invest in the restaurant. Mm, you, 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 you can't learn that at Harvard, baby. You, 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 oh, don't play with me. You, you got to be near Mamaw to get something like that. You, and, and so they practiced basics every single day, and it grew their capacity for what they needed. Second thing grandparents taught us was they owned it. Lewis, I never heard ever my grandmothers or grandfathers complained. They had never heard them complain. And, 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 you know, years later, I'd read a book called Extreme Ownership, How the Navy Seals Lead and Win. And, and I looked at that book and I realized that the Navy Seals own the mission and they own it by not blaming other people and by not making excuses. And I immediately thought of my grandparents. I think that will help us to have a great 2022. And then the third thing is, and this is big, our grandparents had a mindset that said, we're advancing this family no matter what. May I suggest to all your listeners, read a book that ought to remind you about your grandparents. It's called uh, Relentless, From Good to Great to Unstoppable. And this guy named Tim Grover, his his clients included the great late Kobe Bryant. Uh, his clients included Michael Jordan. And, and here was the thesis of the book. Push past how you feel. Hmm. Push past pain. Pain. And he tells this great story about how Kobe gets injured in a game and comes down awkwardly towards Achilles tendon. So everybody rushes out on the court to carry him off. He waved him off, limped to the foul line. He got fouled on the play, made both free throws, and then limped to the locker room. And the author says, that's relentless. Think about your grandparents right now, Lewis. I'm thinking about mine. Wow. Right Everybody listening, wow. I want you to think about your grandparents. They had a growth mindset. They didn't have a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is when you know it all. A fixed mindset is when can't nobody tell you nothing. But And a fixed mindset keeps you right at the same level for hundreds of years. Our grandparents had a growth mindset. Think about how they were forward thinking. They didn't complain. They, they didn't make excuses. They, they, they owned it. They practiced basics and they pushed our families ahead. Baby, oh, you better throw some water on me right now, Lewis. I got to calm down. I, I want to tell you. Well, no, I want you to stay hot. <laughs> I want you to stay hot. <laughs> We'll be right back with more of my interview after this quick break. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. 
You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where... A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Got a real serious question. Um, We all have seen over the last year the crime that has infested not our communities, but our cities. So from Los Angeles to New York and every major city in between. We've seen crime that we haven't seen before, whether it is snatch and grab at Louis Vuitton or Gucci or the carjackings in Chicago. And people are saying, mostly young men are hopeless. Speak to those young men who, I don't know, Dr. Isby, if they're hopeless or not, or they're just hardcore criminals. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. But speak to those young men uh, today. Yeah. You know what it speaks of, Lewis, I think, more than anything else? It, it speaks why your work is valuable, and it speaks of a void in our society. So before I address your direct question, think about this. Think about when you and I were growing up. Uh, Medea ain't nothing new. 
we had about four or five Medeas. We called them Big Mama, Medea. That's nothing new. Two Papa is nothing new. We had about five or six or seven Two Papas. And so where are those voices today? Where are those people today? So it speaks to me of a of a of a void and it speaks to why the work that you're doing is so important. Now, let me address your question. I, I sure hope that some are listening today. I think, I don't think, I know, one fundamental thing will make a difference in your life. Do you love yourself enough to believe in you, to invest in you? You, you can't invest in the words of a government that says, well, if you just eat better, uh, things will, will, will be much better. I, I've been to stores in the inner city. I go to stores in the inner city. I see how little produce there is in the inner city. So we have to, do, we have to go way beyond the shallow, superficial, rhetorical diatribe that drapes our communities today that says, I wish they would just act right or with this handout, you can be better. I think it has to start at a very fundamental level. I'm speaking to those that have no hope, those young men that don't even see a reason for which to hope. Your eyesight needs to change. Your eyesight needs to shift from this organization and that organization to inwardly. If all you see is what you see, you don't see all there is that needs to be seen. And so the question has to become, do I love myself enough to hope? I, I lived that, Lewis. I had to live that. When your wife dies and you're at a young age with two little children, all you see is devastation and despair. You don't love yourself. You don't even see yourself uh, as, as someone who could be loved anymore. Your whole world is gone. And I had to learn how to love myself so that I could see a reason for which to hope. Young folks, listen to me. Those of you that just happen to be tuning into this podcast, here's the critical question. Do you, do you love yourself enough, enough to see a reason for which to be hopeful? See, in other words, I just mitigated, eliminated every single structural excuse, every single political excuse, every single societal excuse. And there are plenty of them. Trust me, I get in these conversations with folks that don't believe there's institutional racism, and I'm defending what seems to be a very obvious thing to so many of us. Right now, I want to eliminate everything and ask you that fundamental question to ask yourself. Do I love myself enough to be hopeful? So, Dr. Risby, here's the next sort of follow-up to that. Yeah. With hope, does vision come along? Mm -hmm. You know, I've been digging, digging this thing. You know, where does vision come from? Does it start with hope and then vision follows? That's an that's an excellent question. Uh, I, I believe it begins with hope. And, and I can only speak to my own personal experience. Can I just for, for the sake of the listeners, just go back to 1996? So my wife, mm -hmm. my college sweetheart, passes away of breast cancer after a six-year battle. Watch this. All I could see was the physical, spiritual, and emotional results of death. 
All I could see was loss and emptiness. And based on what I saw, I had no hope. Now, that's an important point. Based on what I saw, I had no hope. So the, the obvious answer is, well, change your vision. Couldn't. Everywhere I went, I was reminded of it. Lewis and his wife invite me for an event. I'm a third wheel. Everywhere I go, I see smiles disappear and gloom occur because Rick is here and they felt down and felt sad for me. So I had to see something differently and didn't know how to get there. I had a third grade dropout daddy who said this in front of Trina's casket. I'm holding the hands of two little boys. And I said, Daddy, I've lost hope. My father said, you can't lose what God gave you, son. You haven't lost hope. You've lost perspective. Now just stand. Lewis, I held on to that for probably two years. I haven't lost hope. I haven't lost hope. I haven't lost hope. I've lost perspective. Okay, I remember the day about six months later. Okay, I'm going to see if hope is there. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to take my kids to school and I'm not going to do what I've done the last six months. Guess what I've done, did the last six months. I'm glad you asked. When I wasn't teaching, I would come home after taking the kids to school and get in bed. And I, and, and my hope was that when I woke up, my life would be better. This day I decided I'm going to brush my teeth, put on my clothes, take my kids to school, and I don't have to be at the university, but I'm going to stay up. And that was the day that I realized, hmm, I got hope in me even if I don't feel it. I got some hope in me, watch this, Lewis, even if I don't see it. There's some hope in me, even if I can't grasp it. And then another day happened a week later. And then more of those days started happening over the months. And I realized something, that I, I had to first believe in hope before I could change what I saw. That, brother, I'm going to tell you, I get emotional thinking about that. And I have used that to help our people because, you see, we've grown up thinking, well, just, just visualize it. Well, what if all you see is gloom and despair? What if all you see is the carnage of 400 years of, of colonialism? What if all you see is, like in my case, loss and disappointment and desperation? It, well, it, you, for me, Lewis, it was impossible to change my vision, but I discovered that it was possible to reconnect with something, <laughs> oh man, that was already inside of me. So to answer your question, in the 10 second way that you hoped I would answer it, I believe <laughs> that 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 hope is what creates the vision. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so so Dr. Risby, you know, we, 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 we're really getting deep here. I'm glad oh, you're a professor. Come on, right? come on with it. So 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 uh, I, I, I ask young people this question all the time. And I want to ask you, which comes first? Desire or vision? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. I believe that desire comes first because I believe that desire is birthed out of the soul. 
the soul is the the soul is the storehouse for all things intellectual, right? I'm talking about the mind, the capacity of the mind. So I, I think that desire comes first. And then with that desire, you begin to see what could be. I, I think about I think about people like Mr. Johnson there in Chicago, right? I think about Walt Disney in Los Angeles. I, I, I think I think about people uh, that are not famous, that have this burning desire to accomplish something. I, I reread this book every year. It's a simple book that was written back, I think, in the 1930s by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich. I know you're well aware of it. And he, he talks about a singleness of purpose and a burning desire to accomplish that purpose. And now I, I understand clearly as a former academician, the counter argument that, well, you have to have a vision first. The reason why I would argue that position, and it would be a fun debate, by the way, to get in, because I don't think there's any wrong answer, to be quite honest with you. But the reason why I would argue that position is I don't think you can see something without first locating some kind of desire for which to see. In other words, I have to give my my eyes, my inner eyes and my physical eyes a reason for which to see. And I don't think I could give my my mind a reason for which to desire. The desire is there. It is there. I just may not be conscious or aware of it. But once I give my my eyes a reason to see, I really believe that's when uh, desire is birth. I'm sorry. That's when vision is birthed. I'm going to keep you deep on this final question, Dr. Risk. Lewis, I blocked out all day. We can, we don't have to have <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make this a series, Dr. <laughs> you need to call me more. This is my final question. <laughs> final question, Dr. All right. all right, sir. I've been asked this many a time. Yeah. How do you find your purpose? Mm, that is so good. Great question. <sighs> yeah, yeah, come on with it. Come with yes, it. Yes, sir. That that's such a great question, Lewis. I I am a firm believer that we all have a purpose and a destiny in life. I shot my opportunities so many times and my purpose found me. And let me let me just kind of explain this. You you know people will say all the time that, well, I'm just on a shelf right now, or, or I'm just inactive, or I'm, I'm just taking a break. I look at my life, as I trace my life, I realize that every experience that I've had, some very good, some I wish I could forget, every experience was preparing me for my purpose. And, and when I say my purpose found me, I'm, I'm probably admitting that I was so distracted by the things that I thought were so important, I never saw my purpose. Here's my purpose in life, Lewis. It's to encourage people. It is to offer those who have no hope, hope. All right. So I start off as a television reporter, but that experience taught me how to communicate in every way. 
Uh, I, I didn't see my purpose as offering hope. I saw my purpose as, as delivering the news. And then I go to six years in graduate school, and that's largely internal growth, right? I wasn't looking at offering hope or encouragement. I could have cared less. My purpose was graduating, somehow finishing that endurance test. And in 20 years as a college professor, uh, a lot of those years as also a character coach, and then 30 years as a motivational speaker, I never saw my purpose until tragedy hit. Watch this. I'm in front of the casket and I could, I, I don't want to sound spooky in any way, but I could hear, I could hear God speaking to my heart saying, if you can trust me, if you can just trust me, I'm going to take this pain and use it as a showcase for my power all over this world. I heard that, Lewis. I don't, I don't mean to freak anybody out, but I, be I believe in the power of God. I know you do as well. And I heard God sp speak to my heart and say, just trust me. I realized in the middle of my hell, I realized, hmm, maybe I'm supposed to be a speaker. Maybe I'm supposed to be a writer. Maybe I'm supposed to help people along the way. My purpose found me. And as I look back over 65 years, there was not one bad step. Every step along the way prepared me for the day that I would recognize what my purpose is. So those that have not found their purpose, keep living. Come on, somebody. Keep living. You might not see it, but it will see you in such a profound way one day. I believe that with all my heart. Well, Dr. Risby, this has been amazing. Uh, your words of wisdom uh, has resonated with me and I'm sure it will with our audience. We appreciate you taking time out today. Thank you so much. Uh, I could talk to you all day long, but we want to put this in the can and have you back again, you know. Please, please. Uh, do. I don't want to make people, I'm glad to see you coming and I'm glad to see you leave. So we're going <laughs> to leave on this note. Appreciate you so much. Uh, thank you for doing this, and you will be back. Much love, to you, Lewis. Connect. Much love to you. Okay. Thank you so much, you, Lewis. Keep up the great work, brother. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 